Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. Good morning, everybody. How are you guys today, this morning? Good. Today, I have the pleasure of reading our scripture, um, which is in Ephesians 4. Uh, 11 through 16. Um, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Amen. For for us, Sunday morning, uh, depending on how you grew up, um, Sunday morning can, can feel different for different folks. But for us, really, Sunday morning, we call it our weekly family reunion. So we love to, we love to celebrate when there's things to celebrate. Um, we lament and, and pray and cry out to God when there's things that are tough and difficult. Um, this is the beauty of being in a church family like this. So if you're just joining us, you don't even know who Aaron and Tiffany are, uh, that's okay. They're, they're a wonderful couple in our family that typically give some leadership to our music. Um, uh, but we're so glad for what God has done in their lives and how he's blessed them. So, so uh, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. Aaron, who's not here, is one of the other pastors. And in these uh, weeks and this fall, we've been walking through a, a different type of sermon series, uh, one that's been largely directed by the members of our church. So you all have submitted questions, things that you're wondering about, that you're thinking about. How does it connect with our faith? How, how does scripture inform how we interact with the issues of our day and some of these, whether it be a big theological question or are tattoos okay? Uh, if you were with us at the very beginning of this, that was one of the questions that was asked. Um, some of those questions, we've uh, opened up God's Word together on Sunday morning. Others have been responded to on our church blog. So if you're not familiar with that, we have a blog under resources on our church website. Um, recently, I, I answered a couple of questions through our YouTube channel. Um, so multiple ways that we're trying to kind of interact. And what we want to foster in our church is not just asking and wrestling with these things when we say we're going to do it on a Sunday, but that this be a, a normal part of our church culture, that we would wrestle with the truths of God, that we would, um, as things are happening in the world around us, we wouldn't be afraid to discuss them and to, to wrestle with them together as a church too. So we've got just two weeks left uh, in this series, and the question for today is, what does unity look like in the church? Is it important? Is it possible? What is a unified church look like? Uh, Years ago, when my wife and I were living in eastern Washington, there uh, was a church that we would drive by uh, all the time on the way to our house, and the church was called Peace Lutheran. It was a Lutheran church, and I thought, oh, that's kind of, that sounds heartwarming, right? Peace Lutheran. And I got to know uh, a Lutheran youth pastor in the area, and I told him, I said, oh, I drive by a a Lutheran church every day when I'm driving home. And I said, it's called Peace Lutheran. 
And he says, oh, let me tell you kind of like inside information about Lutheran churches. He said, whenever you see a church that's named Peace, it's because they split off from another church. <laughs> he said there was some sort of disagreement and a bunch of people, you know, kind of took, took, took sides and one side went and started a new church and they thought, we just want to be at peace. And so that's what I call it. I was like, man, I never would have known that. And so this idea, this question of, of unity is important because there's a lot of disunity, isn't there? Uh, there's disunity in our families. There's disunity in our churches oftentimes. Disunity, obviously, in the culture around us. When uh, Jessica and I were praying about whether we were, God was leading us to come to Renton and to be a part of this church, uh, there was a team put together that was kind of um, interviewing us, and we were, we were wrestling with different questions and personalities and all these things. And, and I remember asking the, the, the team at the time, I said, hey, if we're going to come to this church, um, what are the what are the sacred cows in the church? Like if we, were to, if we were to change something in the church, or we were to suggest something, what are those hot button topics, right? It's kind of like in your own family, right? Like if you, if you have a, a, you know, family members that root for the Seahawks and root for the 49ers, like you just don't talk about that, right? Uh, when they're during football season. So I was like, what are those things within this church? Because every, every family's got them, right? And most of the folks on the team go, you know, I don't, nah, there's, not, there's nothing. And then all of a sudden, it was kind of like the light came on for several of them at the same time. And they said, oh, pews. <laughs> and I always thought, what? Pews? What about pews? And they said, oh, yeah. And they, told, they went on and told me a story. And some of you were here during this. I don't really know how it all ha happened. But they told me a story that somebody had a, a vision to replace the pews with chairs. And it became a huge issue. And some of you can correct me on this, but there was, there was all sorts of dispute on whether we should get rid of the pews and put in chairs. And chairs are more comfortable, but pews are more traditional. All these things, right? And, and I thought, you know what? If that's the only issue, uh, that's okay. We can deal with that one, right? Of all the things that a church should get upset about, that's, that's pretty minor. So, so this is a reality for this. Uh, this idea uh, that... Um, that unity is important is in Scripture, and we're going to look at that together. Uh, let me just define unity for you real quick. Um, the definition of unity, there's, there's several, but the, the one that I think makes the most sense to me, it says, the state of being joined together or in agreement. The state of being joined together or in agreement. So here's what I want to do. We've been doing this uh, together uh, through this series is for just a few minutes, I want you to, to turn to some folks in the pews next to you, and I want you to kind of share your answers, your responses on this question. What, is, what does or could unity look like in the church? What is that supposed to look like? What brings disunity? And then why is unity important? So go ahead and just take a few minutes. If this is your first time with us, you're like, well, I, I didn't expect I was going to have to talk to people on Sunday. Um, introduce yourself. Um, no wrong answers here. This is just a conversation, just kind of brainstorm together uh, on these questions, and then we'll bring it back in just a moment. So ready? One, two, three, go. <laughs> All right, I have to admit, I, I, I couldn't hear everybody's conversations. 
But I, I did hear one thing quite often through the conversations was, I heard quite a bit of laughter in the room. <laughs> and so I take that as a good sign that there's maybe some unity in, in this group. Some of you had serious faces, so you may have been talking about previous church experiences that you've had, right? Where, where disunity was, was a thing. And it was toxic, and it was hurtful, and it was harmful. Um, but I'm grateful that this morning, I, some of what I heard through the conversations was, was laughter. Um, was there some joy in the room? So, you know, when this question was asked, one of the things I was thinking is, why is this a good question for a church to wrestle with? Uh, why should we have an, uh, a theology, so to speak, of unity? Why should we understand that if the Bible does or doesn't say anything about it? And I think one of the reasons is if, if church, if for you, is like going to a show, there is no need for unity, is there? Like if you go to a movie theater, you don't, you don't give a rip what anybody in the theater thinks. You just, you're going to watch the movie and you're going to go home. So if church is that, if it's literally just a Sunday morning gathering where you, you come and you, you mouth the, your, the words to the music, you, you listen to the message, nod your head and go home, unity is not important. But if the church, and, and this is what scripture shows us, is, is far more than just a Sunday gathering. If it's a group of diverse people with different backgrounds, different experiences that have all been joined together, the definition of unity by the grace of God, then that means the church is a, is a family, it's an organization, it's an organism that is doing things far beyond Sunday morning. And so that's our vision for church. It's what the Bible says about church. So in that case, unity is important. Unity is also hard. It's challenging when you get a bunch of different folks in the same space. But what holds us together, and we'll see this in Scripture, is the, the very nature of who God is. That's why we're able to be here this morning. So we see from the very beginning, humanity was created with oneness in mind. When God created uh, male and female, he, he joined them together in marriage in the garden. And then out of that first relationship, he gave all of humanity a mission. The mission was to rule the earth, to subdue it, to cultivate it for the good of each other and to the glory of God. This was the original design, that we be together in purpose and vision, even though we may be distinct in who God's created us to be. So unity, being unified, is important. Now, if we look around the world today, we aren't unified, are we? In fact, I was thinking about it this week. Is anyone right now, can you think of anyone in American culture, let alone the world, Anyone in American culture who is calling for unity? What voice is there out there that is saying we need to be together on these things? I can't think of one person. If, if what, what, what we're hearing more than unity in our culture today is we're hearing a cry for victory. As if there is a war to be fought amongst ourselves. And so we see this in our politics, in our social agendas, even in the way that we feel that the economy should be run. We say, I have a solution, and I'm my way or the highway. Victory, not unity. Victory, not unity. And the church is not immune to this mentality either. We would be, uh, we, it would be ridiculous for us to think that the, the prevailing 
um, call of victory in the culture does not also affect the church. And what this produces in the church is it produces folks that come, oftentimes being more discipled by the culture, they come to gather and worship, and they think, is my way happening? Is what I want to happen happening? And if it isn't, I'm going to fight for my way because the culture is saying victory, that's what I want to and we've seen this, in, in, especially in the last two years, it has become more elevated both in our culture and in our church. Think about the things that have torn churches apart, that have created disunity. Think about these things. We, three primary ones, right? Starting in March of 2020, should we wear masks or not wear masks, right? Churches have divided, ripped apart. People have left their churches over that. And then moving forward to politics. Do we vote Democrat? Do we vote Republican? People have left their churches over perceived differences in politics. And then George Floyd happens. And, and folks go, man, something has to change. What do we do in this? And people have left their churches. People divided over response to racial strife in the world. So these things, these, these, this mentality of victory in the culture has in, has imported itself into the church where people walk into the church and they say, I want my way. I want victory in this particular area. So this is an important question. This is an important question for us to understand. What does unity look like? Why is it important? And it's important because I believe the witness and the mission of the church is at stake. And we know this is important because one of Jesus' longest recorded prayers in John chapter 17, one of the prevailing themes in that prayer is unity. Look at this together. If you have your Bibles, you can open to John chapter 17. It's a long prayer. I'm just going to look at just a few verses. There's kind of three sections to this prayer, and the third section is for all believers. That's you and I even today. John chapter 17, we'll start in verse 20. And this is Jesus praying. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. He's talking about his disciples. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. Why? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So Jesus leaves no room to doubt here that unity, this idea of oneness, is important. The unity that Jesus has in mind here is a unity of identity and purpose. He says, just as we are one, I also want them to be one with us in identity and purpose. Let me give an example of what this looks like. Um, my wife and I have been married for 19 years. We have four children. We've had, yeah, that's good. Whoever said that, that's how I feel too. Um, and uh, children are really good at asking one parent a question 
And if the answer isn't what they wanted, then they'll go to the other parent and ask the same question. Now, I'm not saying my kids are, but some kids are. (laughs) Now, my wife and I, if you know us, we are very different people. Personality-wise, um, uh, taste in food. Well, we have a similar taste in food. But we have different, we're just wired differently. But I think that's what's made our marriage so strong. Um, so we are very different in our personalities. But we are united in our marriage. And we are united in our purpose for how we are going to parent our children. So this is what I do. When, a, when one of my kids comes to me and asks me a question, you can almost smell it in the air. Like, this question's been asked before. And so what is my response? It's, whatever your mom said. (laughs) Whatever your mom said. We are unified in how we want to raise our kids and parent our kids, even though we are different in who we are. And so this is the idea that, that Jesus has in mind when he prays for his believers, that they would be one as the the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that Godhead is one, yet even in the Trinity there is distinctness and yet oneness at the same time. And so this image of of unity that Jesus gives in his prayer is one of oneness. See, again, these keys here, that they may be one, that they may be one. So the Godhead displays this oneness most powerfully through love. And so as we are united together, Jesus' prayer is that we would display this love too. And so when we walk into a room or we join a church, our our mentality has to be like Jesus, one of love. Well, how did Jesus love? And he, he sacrificed. He gave up his rights as God so that we might be united with him. He didn't come to conquer physically. He came to restore and to conquer spiritually. And so for us as believers, if we're going to see unity in the church, then it has got to be centered on the love that Jesus has shown for us. So that's Jesus' desire, that we would join with him in a unity of purpose and identity. Now, one of the things we see is Jesus prayed this prayer, and then not long after this, the very first church happened. Acts chapter 2, Jesus has ascended to heaven, and he told this remnant of his followers, he says, wait for me, something's going to happen. My spirit is going to come, and I'm going to build a church. And we see this in Acts chapter 2. The, the believers, they receive the Holy Spirit, they go out into the streets, and they begin to preach And they are preaching the gospel in the the middle of this very diverse city. People from all nations, different languages that because of the Roman Empire had been kind of brought in and mixed in with this particular city. And so they respond to the gospel. They say yes to Jesus and the first church is born. And it is a diverse church right from the jump. Very, very... uh, socially and economically and culturally diverse. And so when we talk about unity, uh, people get it that it's, it's really easy to be in agreement when you're with everybody that looks like you and acts like you and thinks like you do, has the same language that you have, 
But what about when they don't? (laughs) What about when there's differences of culture and of language? Well, the very first church knew this. This was the, the foundation of the vision that Jesus had, that the church would be diverse. Now, this doesn't mean that unity in the church would be easy. If you continue to read the book of Acts, you see this. If you read the letters to these early churches, you see that unity is a challenge. That as there, this, this idea of unity in diversity, it's going to surface issues that we have to wrestle through. And so that's why Jesus prayed for this ahead of time, <laughs> knowing that this would be a challenge. And that's why later on the Apostle Paul would challenge many of these churches, just like us, to pursue unity as well. Kinzer read this, and we'll read it again. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6 say, Make every effort to keep what? Say unity with me. Unity. Unity. Keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Paul wants us to know about oneness. There is something that has brought us all to the same table, all to the same family. It is the work of God. So again, what's the picture here? It's this oneness that's only possible through the work of Jesus. When the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples in, that, in the streets there in Acts chapter 2, none of those people would have had anything to do with each other if it weren't for what Jesus was doing in their midst. It was the grace of God that brought them together. And then through that powerful work of the Spirit, there is a peace that is now possible only through the power of the Spirit. This idea of the bond of peace. Like we have peace with each other because we have peace with God. We have peace with each other because the Holy Spirit has reconciled and redeemed us. And we are all the same in that. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. And by God's grace, we found him. Amen? Amen. The bond of peace. Paul then goes on to say this. He says, But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high and took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And then skipping to verse 11, he says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach what? Unity in the faith, and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. To another church, this one in Corinth, Paul talks about this idea of unity in the midst of diversity. And to do this, he uses the illustration of a body. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Look to somebody right now and say, you are a part of the body. Boy, you all did not sound very convinced by that. It is 12.30 body clock time, isn't it? So, <laughs> Do you see how this imagery that, that, being, that unity does not equal conformity? 
Like, Paul couldn't use the illustration of the body if the idea of unity was we were all the same. Because a body has many parts, and each part is vital. So in the midst of our diversity here in our church, we have a diversity of languages and cultural backgrounds, of skin color and hairstyle. It's in the midst of this diversity that the grace of Jesus joins us together to form one beautiful body. I love last Sunday, if you were here, uh, Moses and Erica were leading worship, and they, they were singing a song, and they led us through that song in different languages. And as those languages were, were sung, I was listening. You know why? Because we had people singing in Spanish in our church. Spanish is their native tongue. We had people speaking in Lugandan, which is the native tongue of Uganda, in our church that were singing out loud. We had people that were singing in Swahili, the native tongue of Kenya, that were in our church singing out that song. And that's the beautiful aspect of, of music, right? We can all hear the same song, and if you know it, you can sing it in your language, and everybody is unified in that. Different languages, different backgrounds, yet together in worship. I love that. And this kind of in-oneness that Jesus prayed for, it, it cannot be obtained by a human process. But it can, it can only really be an act from above. This unity is, is divine from start to finish. And it is unity that is empowered by the Spirit of God, not by an organization. Like not, there's nothing I can say as a pastor in this church to make you all be unified. There's nothing we can do. We could say, hey, on, on next Sunday, everybody needs to wear the same color shirt to church. Will that make us unified? No. That's uniformity. That is not unity. It is absolutely a work of the Spirit of God. So what is unity ultimately accomplish. If unity is a work of God, it's clearly important to Jesus. He prayed for it. What does unity accomplish? Well, it looks like, first of all, that every person that's redeemed by Jesus walks into who God has originally created them to be. If the original vision for creation, we see it in the garden, then Jesus is doing a recreation as he's bringing us back into alignment with the heart of God so that we might be unified in that purpose. And so in Jesus' prayer, we see that unity accomplishes in the church and allows us to be a witness to the world. Without unity, we cannot be a witness. We can, with it, we can be a witness to the world of the glory of God. The other thing unity accomplishes, which we read in Paul's words, is that it, it accomplishes a maturing of the church, a maturing of the church. As we bump into each other in our diversity, we actually grow in our faith. We have people that call out in us, hey, I see this gift in you. Man, I would love to see God use that. You go, what, in me? I have a gift? What? God has created me? How is that possible? And we, and we grow in our faith together. We often think of disunity as being, I think, more of a, of a personality type, like a disagreeable person. <laughs> that's, uh, for those of you who are new to our church, that's Frank. He's one of our head ushers. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. He's, this is nobody in our church. 
It's a stock picture. So we often think of unity as being like an attitude or like this, this idea of being disagreeable, which there's an aspect of that that's true. But, but I actually believe that the core issue, the core th- reason for disunity in the church is people refusing to step into who God has called them to be, refusing to, to see who they are in Christ and to be that, to use their giftings, their callings, their passions for the glory of God. In other words, when, where you find people failing to use gifts God's given them, then you will find a disunified or an unhealthy church. People that, that hold back or they don't engage, maybe it's out of fear or maybe it's out of complacency. But when a church is not functioning as it should function, that is the cause of disunity. Think about it in your own life. Like, has any of you ever sprained like your pinky finger? Like you never think about your pinky finger during the week, right? <laughs> it just does its thing. But if it is not working right, oh man, your whole life is messed up. When, it, when the body is not functioning like it should, then there is disunity. I was thinking, trying to think of a, of a sports analogy because I'm a sports guy. How, how many of you are Seahawks fans? Okay. How many of you know the center for the Seahawks? Okay, good. Okay. So you, nobody's that dedicated. Man, I'm kind of, that's, that's a shame. You guys aren't real fans. No. So I actually don't know who it is either. But, but think about this. If the center doesn't do his job, will you know who the center is? Yes. Yeah. Here's the, here's the center for the Seahawks. So if the center, those of you that aren't football fans, bear with me for a second. The center, if you don't know, hikes the ball. He starts the play. Now, if he hikes the ball and then just sits down on the ground, everything is going to go sideways from there. Because what you can't see on the other side, well, you can see his arm, is there is a guy waiting to rush the quarterback. As soon as the center hikes the ball, he then has to block for the play. And if he just, if he refused to do that, then the whole line, all his fellow linemen are going to fall apart. The quarterback's going to get sacked. The wide receivers aren't going to be able to do anything. The whole play falls apart. And so this is, a, this is a, a, a perfect picture of disunity. When we are not who God has called us to be, when we're not stepping into our full identity, when we're not using the gifts and passions that God has given us, then the church is unhealthy. Disunity will happen. Disunity can happen by a bad, grumpy leader. It can. It can be sown by people that are, that are looking for victory and that are, that are sinful. It can. But at the heart of disunity, what we see in Scripture so oftentimes is a body that is not operating as a body. And so one of the things I love about our church is this isn't true. So many of you are stepping in to who God and have stepped into who God has called you to be. I think about just our, just our Sunday gatherings. And again, church is so much more than Sunday. We could talk about a lot of different things that we do. But just our Sunday gatherings, we have, we have greeters at the doors. If we didn't have greeters at the doors, when folks visited, they would say, man, this church doesn't like people. <laughs> Nobody said hi to me when I walked in. But we have greeters at the doors. But more than that, what I often hear from, from folks that visit our church is we have greeters everywhere. Like we are a welcoming church. Now, we're going to have our issues, right? There will be, be times where people come in and maybe they didn't get greeted. We're not perfect in this. 
But I continually hear from folks, wow, I felt really welcome when I came into the, to the bistro. Somebody said, hey, do you want to get a cup of coffee? Or can I show you where, you where the kids go? Like this is a whole church working together to be who God's called us to be. Now, let me pause. This isn't meant to be a guilt trip to get, or to recruit you to the greeting team <laughs> or anything else. But it's a reminder that you, if Sunset Community Church is your home church, you are an essential part of this body. You're an essential part. You, you may view yourself, nobody else will do this, but you may view yourself as a pinky, but we need you in whatever God has called you to be, to step out and to, to walk in unity, to use who God's called you to be. So, this, this process is a growth process as all of us are joined together by the grace of God as we walk out in his purposes. And so church, let me just close with this. We as a, as a body of believers, we already have victory. Where the culture is saying, you need to get your way, you need you, your True victory will happen through your, your favorite political person or your favorite policy or your favorite econ. Where the world says that is where you find victory, we say, no, 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 no. Our victory is already secured in the person of Jesus who, who came and lived just like us. He experienced this life, yet he didn't sin. And then he chose to die a sinless life, taking our sin on him so that we could be free from it. Ultimate victory. But he didn't stop there. Through that work, he then says, we can be one with him in relationship with God. Jesus has already secured the victory. What he is praying for us is that we would pursue and grow in unity. And right now, the church, I believe, has an opportunity to be a prophetic voice to a culture that has given up on any kind of vision for unity. I mean, the, the elections are happening, right, in just a few days. Listen to what is being said, even by your preferred candidate. Listen for unity. Listen for calls of peace. You will not hear them. Because the vision for unity isn't there. Instead, it's a desire for victory, political, social, economic. But it's not the answer. So the church is prophetically positioned because we have already claim the victory through Jesus, and we do know the answer to what our culture needs, to what our nation needs. The, prophet, the prophetic voice of our church, Sunset Community Church, is rooted in our knowledge that Jesus is already one, and so our confidence and our mission rests there. This is who we are, and so if we as the church live by the Spirit who joins us together, with the Father and the Son, if we reflect the glory and love of God, if we show a, a unity amongst ourselves rooted in our shared knowledge of God, then our testimony will amaze the world. It will be noticed and it will stick out. And so I want to ask that we would do one thing this morning. Instead of ending with the song, uh, that we would end with a, a display of unity Everybody's going to do a group hug. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, in my, youth, in my youth pastor days, that's probably where I would have went. But No, what I'm going to ask you to do is, is stand with me this morning.
and I am going to ask you to do, to do one thing. I'm going to ask you to, to join hands with the, the person on either side of you. And then if you are in, in the center aisle, that you're going to stretch across to, to the other aisle. So we're going to bridge the gap. Those of you in the balcony, sorry, there's not a gap to be bridged. There's a barrier, so you're fine. And then we're going to pray together. We're going to agree with Jesus' prayer for us. Amen? So let's pray together. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.